you look at the evidence of grace that you see here, and you're going to see a lot. You're going to see their faith in the Lord Jesus. You're going to see their love for one another. I tell you, I walked in here. Uh, you guys are, I, I've been here two hours. This is a loving church. A lot of folks smiling, greeting me. Uh, I can tell the love of Christ is in this place. The Holy Spirit has filled you. And, and Milo, remind yourself of that. Because we all know uh, the church isn't perfect. We're all sinners, saved by God's grace. And um, there are many a day, I remember, uh, it was a Monday morning, and I would be frustrated. Something happened on Sunday at the church, and someone didn't show up that was supposed to do something. Somebody let me down, and you would come in my office, and <laughs> you would just let me vent and, and, and cry. Um, it's easy to do that. that. That's not hard to find. But let me encourage you to look for the evidence of grace here at Randall Church. Because let me, let me tell you, you will find what you look for. If you're always looking for the negative, you can find it. But when you look and see how God is at work, uh, you will find it as well. So that's the first charge. First charge, look for the evidences of grace in this great church. The second charge I want to give you uh, is to ask God for divine illumination. Ask God for divine illumination. We see in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, he says, Paul says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened, so you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the glorious riches of His, of his inheritance among the saints. I want you to notice in this passage, Paul uses three ideas to get across the idea of illumination. He says, I pray that you have a spirit of, of revelation and wisdom. And he says in verse 17 and verse 18, that the perception of your mind may be enlightened. Some translations say that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. But what Paul wants to convey is that he's asking God to give them spiritual eyes to see who God is and what he has done for them. Illumination is simply God opening our eyes to see Him and His truth. It's how we understand Scripture. Uh, we need sort of Holy Spirit glasses. Milo remarked when we worked together, I didn't wear these things, okay, as I've, I've hit my mid-40s, uh, the, the, the print is getting smaller. And, um, but, uh, so th this helps me see. We need Holy Spirit glasses to see the truth from God's Word. We need that illumination to understand accurately and deeply the Word of God. I remember there was a conference Milo and, I, Milo and I went down to in Columbia, South Carolina. They brought in a guy named Neil Cole, um, and he was from California. And as, as we went to the conference, Neil began to share about life transformation groups. And Milo and I were just sitting there, and, and it was really interesting to us. One of the challenges that he laid out in those life transformation groups was to ingest, digest a lot of Scripture, like five chapters a day. And so we began to, to implement that in our church, five chapters a day. And uh, you get a lot of Scripture read in uh, during the week when you do that. And, and uh, uh, the point is that we, we want to digest, we want God's Word to fill us, but we also need illumination that the Holy Spirit uh, opens it up to us and, and we understand it and we understand what God is saying to us. We need divine illumination. And so Milo, as you continue to lead I charge you to ask for that divine illumination, both you and Aaron. And, and more specifically in 
divine illumination. Uh, you want that. You want illumination so that you can know God better. That's the point. We all want to know God better. Notice what Paul says here in verse 17 again. He says, hey, you need illumination. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? In the knowledge of Him. We want wisdom. We want revelation. We want illumination so that we know God better. We want to know Him better. It sounds rather elementary to, to know God, but is anything more important than the Christian life? Scholar D.A. Carson, theologian, says, what is the greatest need in the church today? He says, the one thing we need in Western Christendom is a deeper knowledge of God. We need to know God better. Amen to that. A Christian life is all about knowing God. And Milo, as you lead this church, you, every day, Get to know God better. And as you lead this church, help this, this body of believers to know God better as well. That is so, so important. It's about knowing God and making Him known. Specifically as well in this area of divine illumination is to know God better. I also charge you to know the blessings of the gospel better. Notice in verses 18 through 20, Paul says, I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened, so you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of, of his vast strength. He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead. And so there's several truths about our salvation that I want you to continue to remind yourself and to remind uh, this great church. Paul says in verse 18, what is the hope of his calling? There is a hope for, uh, for those of us who have the gospel, who know the gospel, who know, who know Jesus, who've experienced salvation. There's hope. This hope is rich. Our salvation is marked by a massive, massive hope. I'll never forget, as, as Aaron was on, on staff with us as, as our children's minister, um, Milo and Aaron went to lunch one day, and they came back to the office. And Aaron says, Tommy, can, can I speak to you for a minute? And she had this smile on her face, and I'm like, yeah, w what's up? She says, um, and, and by this time, there was Dahlia, and there, there was Hazel. She says, um, we're, we're pregnant. And, and I'm like, Milo, what have you done to my children's ministry? You know, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to lose my children's minister. <laughs> so I, I, I say, well, that's, that's great. That's great. As the days and weeks progressed, um, they went to see uh, the doctor. Uh, Milo came back in the office one day and he said, yeah, we just got back. They, they ran some tests and um, I think they knew they were having a boy at this time. And uh, he said, you know, things aren't, there, there's something going on with the heart. We, we don't know exactly, uh, I don't know. They're going to continue to run some, some tests. Many of you know their story. Uh, if you don't, uh, they'd be glad to share it with you. You can also uh, see their website. They, they, they've, they've shared their story. It has touched thousands of people. Uh, we walked through this journey uh, with, with them as Josiah uh, was born down in Charleston at, at MUSC. And, and to, to walk that journey with them. Um, one of the things that characterized Milo and Aaron through that time was hope. 
was hope. In fact, I read uh, Randall Church's website yesterday, and one of the things that Milo shared uh, on his bio is when they walked through that journey, uh, there was hope. There was hope. There were thousands of people that, that they touched. Uh, thousands of lives were touched because of them walking through that journey with Josiah. And I'll never forget, as we finished up a worship service one Sunday, Aaron had stayed down in Charleston, hadn't left Josiah's side for many, many months. But there was one Sunday that she came back up to Ridgeview to worship with us. Uh, it had been about eight months, and... Um, she, uh, she was there. We were packing up our things as we finished our time of worship, putting it all back in the van and trailer. And I'll never forget, I looked down the hallway and out these glass doors, there was Milo and there was Aaron and, and they, had, they were buckled under and they were just embracing one another um, because she had just gotten the word that Josiah had stepped into eternity, had stepped into the arms of his loving, glorious Father, as Paul says. I tell you, the memorial service at Edwards Road Baptist, many, many people were there. They saw the hope that Milo and Aaron had because of the gospel. I'll never forget, there was a, a nurse that traveled all the way up from Charleston. She was not a believer, but she shared with the, the, the folks that were there that, that day. She said, you know, I, I'm not a Christ follower, but I've seen in their lives there's something different about a God that they serve, and it's enticing. She saw the hope. Milo and Aaron, don't forget that hope. We have hope in the gospel. That's what Paul says. God has called us to a distinct way of life with a glorious hope. And I haven't been to Buffalo long, but if it's like Atlanta, there's all kinds of people around here that need hope. That they're desperate for the hope that we have of the gospel. There's so much suffering in life, but there is hope because glory is coming. Paul also says in verse 18, he says, What are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints? We are his inheritance. Paul wants to appreciate the, the fact that God places a value on us who are in Christ. And then he says, I love this, in verse 19 and 20. He says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? Underline that in your Bibles. Highlight it. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe? He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead. The third truth I want to share about our salvation is the fact that we have power. We have power. This, this power is available to God's people. It is available to you as, as a pastor. It is available to you as a Christ follower today. The Ephesians, as Paul was writing this letter to them, they were caught up in, in magic and, and emperor worship, and they lived in a very dark time. And there was a very real demonic spiritual battle that they faced. And there was a fear if they began to follow Christ. Uh, would, would this God that they served, would he be as powerful as the gods that they saw and, and they worshipped? Paul is assuring them that God's power is supreme over all our enemies. And so don't, we, we don't fear uh, because we have superior power. The power of the risen Christ, we can do battle against worry, temptation, doubt, even spiritual warfare, uh, demonic oppression. We have power. Power to witness, power to overcome sin, power to pursue holiness. And Milo, you and Aaron have that power available to raise your family, 
And they have a beautiful, beautiful family. This morning, I was in my room and little Maya, the door was shut and and I looked down and she was sticking her fingers underneath the door like that. (laughs) So I reached down and grabbed her finger and she pulled it back. You have a beautiful family. God has given you power to raise that family in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So three charges here. Number one, thank God for the evidence of grace here among his people. Number two, ask God to give you divine illumination that you know him better and you understand the truth, the benefits of the gospel, namely hope and power and we have an inheritance. And the third charge I want to give you today is to praise God for his exaltation of of Jesus Christ. Praise God that he has lifted up, he has magnified Jesus Christ. I go back to the the first uh, starting days at Milo and Aaron began with us at, at Ridgeview. And it was around Easter time. Milo was serving as an interim worship uh, pastor at Edwards Road Baptist. And uh, he had to kind of finish that out before he came over uh, to work with us. And I really, like we were going into Palm Sunday and Easter, and I'm like, Milo, is there any way you can leave early? I, man, I want you here. And so we worked it out that, that he could come. And, and I believe his first Sunday was either Palm Sunday or Easter Sunday. Well, uh, about that same time, there was a church in the area and they were selling uh, their lights that they had. They were also a church plant. They met in a portable facility and they had kind of lights like, like that hanging on that, that, that post. Uh, there, were, there were two of them and about four or five on, on each stand. And I was really excited that I got these lights because we were meeting in a school cafeteria. It was fluorescent lights. It was just really cold and sterile and I really wanted to kind of improve the environment. And so I had these lights lights ready and and so Milo's first Sunday leading worship I had these lights all right I mean and we turned the lights down in the cafeteria and it was really cool okay Uh, unbeknownst to me there was one guy one worshiper in our church that didn't like the lights you see he thought that Milo coming in demanded that hey when I come in I want all the lights on me okay he put a little anonymous note about he was not happy, and we were only running 50, 60 people at the time, and so I was able to figure out who it was. And um, so I confronted this guy. We had lunch, and he said, listen, I don't like the fact that Milo's come in, and he's got all these lights on him. It's like the Milo show. And uh, so I gave him a hard time about the Milo show, and I told him, I, he said, well, you know, some people don't like, like this, and uh, uh, we need to be listened to, and um, he needs to go. And I said, I'll tell you what, buddy, why don't you leave? He ain't going anywhere. And, and all these people that, that were, uh, didn't like that, it was only one guy, and uh, he left. But uh, Milo, I, I kiddingly would, would, would rib you about the Milo show over the years, but on, on a serious note, it's not about us. It's not about our show. It's, not, it's all about Jesus. It's all about lifting him up uh, and exalting Jesus Christ in everything that we do. And so there's several exaltations that Paul shares here uh, in, in, in chapter 1, verse 20. We want to praise God for Christ's resurrection. Paul says he demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead. We serve a God who has risen from the dead. Jesus Christ has been lifted up. 
And so there are days that you're going to serve and you've been there and there, there are more that are coming that you feel sometimes that, man, am I making a difference? Is this just in vain? Does anyone care? I want you to remind yourself here that life has meaning. My brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever you're doing, realize that life has meaning. What you do in life, it matters because our Lord and Savior did not stay in the grave. He arose. So life has meaning and life has purpose. Not only that, we want to praise God for Christ's enthronement. Notice in verse 20 again, it says he demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising from the dead and seating, and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Jesus is not only a risen Savior, he's also sitting at the right hand of the Father. This, this whole idea of right hand is a position of privilege and honor and favor and victory and power. And that position belongs to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so what does that mean for all of us? What does that mean for you as you lead this church? It means everything. Everything is under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Political elections. There's a lot of focus on New York right now as the candidates are, are up this way. We can trust Jesus Christ with all our problems, great and small. Our hope is not in a political election. It is in a seated king who is at the right hand of the Father. So we praise God for that. We also praise God for Christ's supremacy. In verses 21 and 22, it says that Christ is seated at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put everything under his feet. Every power is inferior to Christ and subject to him. We praise God for that. And lastly, we praise God for Christ's headship. Notice in verse 22, it says, He appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of, of the one who fills all things in every way. Milo, I, I know you know this, but... Paul mentions that the church, not all of creation, but the church is said to be the body of Christ. He is the head. He is the head of the church. I know many times you say, well, who is, uh, whose church is this? Well, this is Pastor Milo's church. Well, yes, he is the pastor here. He is the shepherd, but he is, under the un he is the under shepherd under the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is head of this church. It's his body. There, there are times I've seen when a pastor leaves a church and half the congregation leaves because the pastor left. Who are they following? Are they following a pastor or are they following Jesus? He is the head of the church. And so always remind yourself of who leads this church. It is Jesus. And so Paul meant to encourage the believers and hopefully this message as we've laid out this text, it has encouraged you and Aaron and this this body of Christ here, uh, all of us, uh, to be encouraged through the, uh, the words of, of Christ. I read this week, Pastor John Bassanio said that some people in the process of becoming great pastors and preachers become lousy Christians. <laughs> I've seen that. Sometimes you get so caught up in the hustle and bustle, you've got another message to prepare, and it's all about sometimes a show, and you neglect those times with the Lord and getting to know Him. 
It's about being a great man of God, a great Christ follower, and leading these people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ and leading your family. That is what it's all about. That is my charge to you and Aaron, your family. That is my charge to this congregation today. And with that said, I want Milo and Aaron to come up right now, and we are going to have a charge from Mike Flannery and uh, the elders, if you guys would come as well. Come on over here and sit down. Good morning. This is indeed a, an honor to, to be here. Now, as the good brother sh- shared, I'm going to share a challenge to him. But I'm going to conclude with a, a few points for the church uh, in the, this installation as well. Uh, but let me just read from the Word of God. And uh, it's always a dangerous thing when you come to these events and you ask two preachers back to back to... To, to share. So I will keep it short. I do, I am aware of the time. It says in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at the appearing of his kingdom, preach the word, be in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. I'll stop there. I could go further in that passage of Scripture. I see before you a team a pastor, a shepherd, an under-shepherd has been said before, but when we look at the church Milo has the responsibility of preaching, breaking the word, breaking it down, sharing it, and breaking the word into preaching the word. It takes time to do that, to digest the word, but that's his primary objective. Yes, it's to God and the church, but secondly, it's also to his family, his wife. Aaron is his helpmate, uh, the person right next to him and his family. So along with uh, studying the word and preaching the word, we need to always, uh, Milo, uh, take care of the family. Uh, they're always going to be here with you as you had a few movements uh, in your ministry as well. I remember uh, we moved around Indianapolis, Beverly, and then we went to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then we went to Jacksonville, North Carolina, where we encountered Marines. We had ministry there, and then we came up here 22 years ago. So we, we took the Flannery family of four around to certain venues and everything. And someday I'll retire. Uh, but it will be the family that will be staying. Okay. 
So take care of your family. They're, they're going to be with you. Churches sometimes change. Ministries changes. But uh, the family is so very important. Don't ever forget that. And then as it relates to the church, uh, it's been mentioned before. He said, uh, Milo, uh, lead with vision. Uh, cast a vision. It says in, in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, uh, people without a a vision perish, but the converse of that is well, congregation, people of vision, a church with a vision flourishes. Always keep that in mind as we move forward. But you know, many people would say, what is uh, most important as it relates to endearing uh, the pastor to the the church. You can come up here and put down four or five objectives of what you want to accomplish in the church and share in your vision that, but you need to have a caringness, care for the people. That means that you're going to be burying some people. You're going to be at the hospital with some people. You're going to be marrying some people. You're going to be with the people. That's a challenge. Someone once says, uh, a great preacher, I'm not going to mention that name, of the preacher, he said, what endears you with him? Uh, what makes you love that pastor? He said, well, one thing is, uh, he uh, preaches the word, of course, but uh, that uh, he gives us hope. But the second thing is he cares for us, he loves us, he shepherds us. And Milo, that's the flock. Shepherd them. You'll be a lot of pressures on you to do this and that. But love the congregation. As, as you love them, they'll love you. And uh, even with some bumps in the road that occasionally takes place, you overcome them because your vision is of the Lord. And finally, it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Milo, that you're not a man pleaser, you're a God pleaser. For it is my ambition, whether at home or abroad, is to be pleasing unto him. And whatever that means, as Milo moves forward with his family, his biological family, as well as the family here at the, in the church, his objective is to be pleasing in the sight of God. And with that, you'll have a successful ministry because you're focused on the Lord Jesus Christ as you lead this church, as we, uh, the elders and leadership and the church installs you today. Just remember, keep that focus on the Lord, your family, and the family of the church. And God will bless. Now we're going to invite the elders to come forward. They may have a few words to say, but then we're going to have... Uh... Thanks, Tommy, if you'd come up too. Before we have a 
a word of prayer, commissioning prayer, just want to uh, read a charge, both to Milo and to Aaron, and then a quick charge to the congregation. And for this, I would ask that you would all stand up. If you so choose, grab the hand of the person next to you. We are a body, we are a family, and we are in this together. Milo and Aaron, do you covenant, specifically Milo, but as his helpmate Aaron, do you covenant before this congregation and God to strive so to live that you may honor Christ and his church by your life? And do you covenant in the presence of this congregation to accept the pastoral responsibility of servant leader in this church and to the best of your knowledge and ability to discharge all the duties of this position? Do you therefore covenant together with this people of God to be a good shepherd by loving them, teaching them, nurturing them, sustaining them, and equipping them so that God's, by God's strength and grace, you and this congregation of Randall Baptist Church may faithfully accomplish God's mission for the salvation of all persons to the glory of God and not our own? Thanks. To the congregation. Do you, members of Randall Baptist Church, acknowledge that God has brought Br Brother Milo to serve as our pastor of this church, and do you covenant to encourage and pray for him and to cooperate with him in fulfilling the great commission of Jesus Christ? If so, say, I do. Okay. We're going to have a time to lay hands on, on Milo. as we pray. Father, thank you so much that you are the Almighty God. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the image of the invisible God, the exact representation to us in this life of who God was and is and always will be. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to meet our need when there was no way we could do it ourselves. We thank you for the victorious work of Christ at the cross. The fact that he suffered and died to pay the penalty for our sin and the sin of the world so that there is no more need for the sacrifice, sacrifices of the Old Testament because the perfect Lamb of God, the one and only true sacrifice for the sin of the world, the punishment was meted out on him at the cross. And as he defeated the power of sin at the cross and the power of death by rising again, we thank you that you sit at the right hand of God, victorious in the work that you've accomplished on our behalf. Jesus, we also thank you for the unfathomable work of grace in each of our lives that has brought us to the point of knowing you as our personal Lord and Savior. We thank you that we have the reality and, and stand in the reality of knowing that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved except the Lord Jesus Christ. And that grace is the only thing that we can stand in and we thank you for it. Father, we thank you for your continued work in us, the Holy Spirit who has sealed us for the day of redemption 
And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in us. Lord, with this, we publicly and privately confess sin that is in our lives that we have not done business with with you. We'd ask that you would show us these things, help us to understand areas where we need to grow, and you'd call us to a righteous and holy life set apart for you. Lord, specifically now, we just want to thank you for this day. We thank you that you've called us here together, and we thank you, Lord, that you have called Milo and Aaron and their family to serve here at Randall Baptist Church for your honor and for your glory. With us, Lord, we just pray that you, your work would be evident in his life and in the life of all who call this church our home and our family. We pray for the maturity of Christ to grow, upwelling and overflowing in a way that it never has before in Mila's life, in Aaron's life, and in their family. Lord, we pray for an upwelling and growth maturity in the Lord Jesus for all who attend and all who call Randall home. Lord, we pray it is incumbent upon us. It is our desire and it is the goal of the Christian life to honor you. And in doing so, the fruits of the Spirit need to be evident. They need to be evident in Milo and they need to be evident in us. And we pray that you would call us to an uncommon living that we have never before experienced. Father, we pray for a protection and a hedge around Milo and Aaron and the children. We pray that you would help them to understand and to see where they can protect their family, where they can, they can see areas of, of things that they need to address so that they, as they continue to grow as a family and meet the challenges of family and daily living and, and being not of the world but having to live in the world, that you would keep out of the household things that would distract and pull them apart from each other and pull them apart from you. Father, for this body, I pray the exact same thing, that you would guide and direct in each of our lives, helping us to understand through the work of the Holy Spirit the vices that Satan wants to throw in, that we would run from them, you would put a hedge of protection around this body and around this work that as we seek to move forward under the almighty hand of a loving God that you would protect and preserve the testimony and the work that occurs here at Randall for your honor and glory. Father, we pray for the blessing of Milo's ministry and his tenure here knowing that it will only be successful as he humbles himself under the mighty hand of God and also as we, the body, do the same. We pray that you would help us all to move forward together in a peace and a unity that shows the world an uncommon way of life that brings glory to your name. And Father, most of all, that all Milo does, that over the time that he has with us, that over the time that we are all together, that he would seek in everything to honor you, to bring glory to your name and not to his, to bring glory to your name and not the church's, 
and that we as a body again would seek to do the exact same thing. That you would guide us in bringing glory to your name because it is only and always by your grace in which we stand. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow in maturity and to bless the ministry to do all these things. We ask that we would be the representation of you to the world, the salt and the light that this community needs. We pray that you would privilege us to be a part of your work in this area for your glory. Father, we commit all these things to you. We love you. We honor you. We adore you. And we pray that as we move forward, look forward to the best yet to come in the life of Milo and his family, in the life of each and every individual here and corporately in the life of Randall. That people would look at this place and that the testimony here would be there is a community that honors God and follows him in everything they do for your glory and your glory alone. In your holy and precious name, amen.